Okay. It has a red dot, so I didn't know. Okay. All right, so basically, last week we talked about relationships. Uh, we're going all semester through dating and relationships. We're calling it Love Stinks. And so if you are, I'm, I've heard a lot of good, you know, things about this. It's making you think. It's causing you to, to adjust your dating habits or your, or your view of relationships. And so we're looking at what Scripture has to say, biblical perspective on relationships all semester. We're looking at a basic, fundamental relationship tonight. We're looking at friendship. What is it like? To, to be a friend, uh, the necessity of friendship. So let me um, read the text for you today, and we'll discuss it uh, real quick tonight. Um, get you all on your way. All right, hear the word of God from 1 John 1, 1 through 10. This is from the Apostle John, good buddy of Jesus. Apostle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and touched with our own hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which is with the Father, and which is manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. We'll stop there. Uh, it's the word of God. Um, it will not ever fail. It will never perish. May God add His blessing to it tonight um, as we talk through it. Okay. Now, looking at your, um, at your handout here, you're going to see that this text, we're going to break it down into three sections. The first point uh, deals with uh, friendship as a blessing, a great supernatural blessing. And why do I call it that? Why do I call that? Well, look, at the very, um, at the very first of this um, chapter, it's kind of a strange chapter uh, in 1 John, but John's saying, look, we saw Jesus, we touched the gospel, we touched Jesus with our own hands, we knew him. We testified him. We proclaim uh, to you about him. Why? So that you may have fellowship with us. Fellowship. Now, fellowship is a weak translation. Uh, it's the Greek word koinonia. Okay? So we're talking about a deep connection to something great. It's a great connectedness uh, where you share in something so profound that you're, that you're not lonely, but you're, you feel like a oneness with somebody. Jesus is always saying that my people become one with, with each other, like I am one with the Father. Okay, And so I'm going to tell you guys that we've got a ton of people walking around campus today. I'm seeing it. The look on your face is that test anxiety. Okay, You've got it. You hate it. Uh, a lot of you guys are not here tonight. Uh, you'll be hearing me on podcasts maybe but, uh, because it's brutal for you all right now. Chemistry is tomorrow. Everybody's upset about you know what I'm you know, studying. I don't, I don't have enough hours in the day to make this happen. 
and you're going to tell me tests and papers are your biggest problem. And everyone's going to say, what's the biggest problem on campus? Tests and papers. But that's a lie. That's the socially, culturally acceptable thing to say. The real problem is loneliness. Everybody's lonely. Everybody, that's the greatest and most profound problem on campus because it totally affects you physically. Okay? Um, one uh, one um, guy uh, who's, a, who's a smart guy, we'll call him that, um, John, uh, I can't even say his last name, it starts with a C. Um, he's the director of the Center of Cognitive and Social Neuroscience at the University of Chicago. He has a book on loneliness. Here's what he says. He has found uh, higher levels of epinephrine, the stress hormone, in the morning urine of lonely people. He says, loneliness burrows down deep. When we drew blood from our older adults and analyzed their white, white cells, he writes, we found that loneliness somehow penetrated the deepest recesses of the, soul, of the cell to alter the way genes were being expressed. Loneliness affects not only the brain, then, but the basic processes of DNA transcription. When you're lonely, your whole body is lonely. Um, loneliness affects you. Yes. So the big idea here is that eternal life and Christian growth are going to be nourished when loneliness is eradicated, when we feel connections to people. That's where we're going to be uh, blessed. So friendship is a supernatural blessing that we need. We're going to see that friendship is going to really unveil two things for us. It's going to help us to, to see the sin that we're blind to. And it's going to help us to believe the promises of God that we're deaf to. Uh, it's going to help us to hear what we can't hear and see what we can't see. Friendship is going to be our greatest blessing in Christian growth and in coming to Jesus. So first, um, friendship is a supernatural blessing. Uh, we look at, at people, friendship seems to be something you can take or leave, right? It seems to be on the surface of it, something you could just take or leave, right? Uh, if you look at like the theory of evolution, people looking at nature and seeing people just, or uh, animals kill each other and eat each other. They survive. Like, connecting yourself to friends, to friends actually is going to cause your life to be more complicated. Um, my wife and I, uh, marriage, uh, there's, there's a recent article out there where, where it says marriage is not a 24-7 sleepover party. Okay, like, like marriage, uh, though great, a great blessing, and every, everyone should consider it, uh, marriage is dogged in our culture, and, and yet less than half of adults are married at this point. Uh, many are cohabitating, and, and, and just not going for marriage now, but marriage has virtues, uh, but it is not a 24-7 sleepover party. Uh, it is hard work. When you connect yourself to someone, Fellowship is hard. A deep connection to somebody is hard. Oneness is hard because you share each other's burdens. Uh, so friendship is a dying art because we don't want to be burdened. Uh, we want to run from burdens. We want to make things easier for ourselves. We naturally seem to do that. Seem to do that. Um, but then we, 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 we bear the, the, the effects of, of, leave, of losing that connection to people, and it actually physically affects us, as John uh, Cassiopo says in, in that quote I read to you earlier. And so... When we can treat people as commodities, friendships uh, can, can drain you or they can give you joy. But if, if, if people are commodities, something to, to, get to only gain from, then you'll just drop friends and they're hard to deal with. Uh, and you'll take friends that are easy. Um, so in dating, when you think about dating, 
Uh, the term friends with benefits is not like a, a cutting-edge term anymore, but it's a, ter- a term that's out there. Who, who doesn't know what that is? Friends with benefits. Okay, everyone kind of hears that word uh, thrown around in movies or, or, or people talk about it. Friends with benefits is, is an idea that eighth-grade boys came up with. Okay, it's where you can have a friend, you can sleep together, and there's no, there's no strings attached. Okay, just friends with benefits. It's every eighth-grade boy's dream, so to speak, every non-Christian eighth-grade boy. Okay, right? Uh, all the benefits of a marital relationship with no true friendship, right? Because friendship, in its essence, is not about getting benefits. Friendship is not about getting benefits. Um, it's like a football player, okay, wanting to play football, or wanting to play, like, Super Bowls, but never play football, okay? Like, we just saw the Super Bowl, some of y'all watched it, who did not watch it? Tim, you're still, you've been working on the audio stuff all week, so you didn't watch it, but, um, like, the Super Bowl, um, like, like, think about, like, if you just wanted to play Super Bowls and never football, you would never get there, okay? Super Bowls are for teams, two teams every year who have radically committed themselves to that season, okay? This year, it was the Ravens and the 49ers. The Super Bowl is an expression of that. Only two teams get to do that. You can't just decide, I want to go play the Super Bowl, okay? Friends with benefits is like that. Um, the sex or the benefits of that, and a desired benefit of that relationship are only the expression of a covenantal, lifelong battle worn friendship between a man and a woman. Uh, that commitment is going to come. So, the problem for you guys in friendship is that you do your bromances or your sisterhood like you, do, like you want to do dating. Okay, friends with benefits. Um, you, not that you want to have sex with everyone, okay, but um, you, you want benefits without all the hardship. Okay, friendship. Um, friendship is like this. I, this. This is the way I define friendship. Friendship is you volunteering, voluntarily serving another person with no hope of getting kissed. Okay, voluntarily serving a person with no hope of getting kissed. It's not for the kisses. It's not for the benefit. It's for the service. And so some of the best relationships are birthed out of a man and a woman functioning as friends before trying to get the other person to give them something. Okay? Some of the best relationships out there start with a man and a woman being friends. And there's trust that that builds up because they're serving one another without the hope of getting kissed. And then somebody like that is somebody you want to kiss. Okay? It It just becomes somebody you want to bless. Okay, so friendship is voluntarily serving a person with no hope of getting kissed. Now, you're not in it for the benefits. You're seeking out friends because you are connected to something bigger than yourself. I believe only Christians can really have the capital to invest in this kind of friendship, this deep koinonia friendship, because you have fellowship with the Father. Okay, that's why John is so eager to go and share this gospel. He's seen the Father. He's seen the Father's love for him and that he gave him Jesus. And he wants to go and proclaim this gospel to all of his friends also because he has seen something great. And he wants them to be a part of it. This deep friendship, this deep trust, uh, this deep band of brothers that has followed Jesus, seen him resurrected and is now on a mission. You're connected to something bigger than yourself, and you want to serve. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, in The Four Loves says this, uh, you develop this connection with God that drives you to connect. That's exactly what I'm saying. We de- when we develop a connection to God, it will drive you to connect to people. So friendship must be about something. And then C.S. Lewis has hard words to say. He says, that is why those pathetic people who simply want friends 
how many of y'all want friends, okay? He says, you pathetic people who just want friends, we all want friends, can never make any. Uh, the very condition of having friends is that we should want something else beside friends. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Now, I am a 33-year-old campus minister, okay? There, I mean, like, I'm in, like, the, on the weird factor, okay, I drive, I mean, like, I, I am, I'm, like, in the point zero 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 one percent of the population, campus minister, 33-year-old, I work with 18 and 22 year olds. It's a strange job, okay? Strange place to be in, okay? Right? Well, I just found a friend, okay? This guy, like, we, I took a group of students to, uh, to uh, Oklahoma City to work in, on a mission uh, a couple weeks ago, and a guy named Mike uh, was there. He's from Boston, okay? And Mike calls me this uh, last week, and he's like, let's get together and work on some more projects. I'm like, I'm like yes, let's do that. Let's start, let's start working on some more things. And so I call him back today, and it's just like, we've got, we've, like, he and I have this connection because we have something bigger that we work on, okay? It's not that we like the same rock bands, okay? It's not that we watch the same shows, although he probably likes Walking Dead because he's a cool guy, um, and I'm, I, like, I like that show too. But, I mean, like, you just, I mean, like, it's not about your shows or something, like, the same clothes that you wear or who's in your sorority or fraternity or who's in your dorm room or do, your dorm uh, or, or who's in the same classes, those aren't your friends. It's, the, it's connecting with somebody on a deeper level. Having, uh, it's having something bigger than yourself. You're not going for friends, but you're going for something bigger than a friendship. And then the friendships form out of that because you have a common interest. And that's what he wants them to have. Is, is in verse 3 here. He says, I'm going to proclaim this to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And then indeed, fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So that you may have joy that's complete, like us. Okay, so Christians are on a greater mission with a greater identity. Um, y'all have iPhones? iPhones are wonderful because um, they're the, probably the greatest piece of technology ever invented, right, of course. But they have these little quirks about them, right? There are some apps that you cannot delete, okay, that are just worthless. Okay, for instance, the Maps app. Okay, no one should be using that. Use the Google Maps app. Okay, the Compass app, okay, it's redundant. We don't need that, okay? Uh, you can go on and on and on about all these apps that you cannot delete because no matter what you do, you can't remove it. That app is written into the DNA of the phone, okay? We can move it around. You can put it in a folder out of sight, but you can never delete that thing. It's there. The creator put it there, okay? Apple put it there. In like fashion, we all have this app inside of us that cannot be deleted. We want friends. But we actually want something bigger. And the friends come when we connect to something bigger, when we connect to Christ. We're going to go out. And like one of my good friends now, Coach Spates, okay, 60 years old, I'm 33 years old. Um, We have no, like we don't come from the same places. We've been brought here to Oklahoma. And now I count him as one of my dear friends because Hey, we're on the same mission, okay? And it is, and it is beautiful, and, and, and he doesn't have trouble finding friends, okay, this guy, because he is on a mission, and he is going to seek out people and love them. He's been a great example of a friend, uh, taking people in under his wing. He's a good example of someone you can point to and say, he's doing it, because he's not about friends. He's about koinonia, fellowship, bringing people to Christ, bringing people in to his friendship, 
to connection with him out of the joy that he has in his heart. And so there's a natural outworking of knowing Jesus that's going to cause you to create friendships. Not because you're going for friends, not because you're trying to get the most friends or the most Twitter followers, because, because you're connected to something bigger. Okay, I'm going on and on about that, but that's it. Okay, that's the purpose, to share your joy. When you find things you love, you've got to share them. And that's going to cause you to create relationships. Um, I, I've been you know, trumpeting the Avet Brothers as the greatest band of all time for many years now, um, and many of you are tired of that. But I find that to be wonderful, and I want to share that. Okay? Jim Gaffigan is the greatest comedian of all time. Uh, he's coming to Oklahoma City. Y'all need to go check it out. Okay? It'll make you laugh. You will, you're, you will hurt after this, uh, and it'll be good for you, good for your soul. Okay, so that's why we're made for these great relationships, great connection, intimacy with one another, deep connection, koinonia. And when we find that with God, that's going to push us to, to, to mission, and that's going to bring us and give us the capital we need to go out and find friends. And we're not going to have to look for them. They're just going to happen. Okay? That's, the, that's what he wants them to see. Now, these friends are going to be a great benefit to us. Why? First, they're going to help us to know our deceptive sin. Look at the verses. Okay? This is the message that we proclaim to you in verse 5. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Now, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. A parallel verse, verse 8, it says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, Verse 10 again, if we say we haven't sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Those parallel verses talk about the lies we tell our hearts, the lies we all say to ourselves. And so the first thing you've got to know about friendship is this is like quality control for your soul. Okay, It's going to filter out all the junk that you, that you lie to yourself about. When you have a deep friendship with someone, they can speak into your life. Um, now, Superheroes. Think about. I just saw a kid today reading Spider-Man in the, in the Union. And I, I sat down with him and I was like, "It's a great comic. It's a great story. Of course, superhero movies are very popular now. Uh, but what's what's unique about superheroes is that they have to cut off all relationships, right? Spider-Man takes a hit in his in his fan, uh, friend life because he's a, a superhero. He's got to give up love in order to save the world, right? That's like all superheroes, except Batman. Batman's a total cheater. Okay, he's got Alfred, and he's got Catwoman now. That's terrible. Okay, so, like, people, he, he lets people in. Okay, he's different. Uh, he blows the illustration out of the water. But, okay, Fellowship of the Rings, though, Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, Tolkien, is you can only save the world together. Okay, think about Samwise uh, and Frodo. Frodo collapses on, the, on, the, on Mordor. Have y'all seen the show? Okay, third movie, read the book. Okay, he collapses on Mordor, and Samwise says to him, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. Okay, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you, which he does. And so friends are going to help you unload the sin of your life. They carry you. They're going to carry you um, to what's wrong inside. They're going to say, hey, look, they, they know what you're doing. Uh, they know, and, and they're gonna, they're gonna, what they're going to do is they know you in such a connected way that they're not, they're not going to deal with just the sins of the hand. Okay, but they're going to deal with the sins of the heart. Okay, anybody, any idiot can tell you, hey, don't do that. Okay, I see what you're doing. Okay, don't rob that bank. Okay, okay, but they can, but the, but the friend can say, don't rob that bank because I know what's in your heart. Okay, and so a, a deep, close, personal friend of yours who loves you will say, hey, y'all need y'all, you, you and your boyfriend and girlfriend are, are too physical. 
Okay, I know, you, I know what you're doing, and I know why you're doing it, and that's not okay. And what's wrong? What's deep, what's deep down in your heart? I know your heart, and I know that you're trying to replace Jesus with this. And, and they, can, they can really deal with your heart, and that's what you've got to do. Um, and, and so acting like you're okay is not okay. And a friend is going to help you to see that you're not okay. Uh, they're going to do that for you as, as verses 6 8 and 10 tell us we have a proclivity to do is lie to ourselves about our sin. Now, it says, uh, not, not lie, and again, like, that, that's really interesting there, it says, if it says, if we say we have no sin, okay? So it doesn't say if we say we have no sins, okay? That would be like the, like, the, like the hand thing, okay? Like the sins of the hand, okay? Like all those things that we do externally. But the real problem is the sin. If we say we have no sin, if we say we have no unrighteousness in us, or no sin nature in us, the, great, the cause, then we're lying. Okay? There, there, it's not saying, it's saying like what you really need to address is the heart, the deep down uh, twistedness that's still a remnant of you Christians, even in spite of being connected to Christ. There's still sin that needs to be killed. The sin, okay? That, that nature that's opposed to Christ still needs to be killed and put to death. And so that's what we've got to address, and so we need people who know us to do that. So friend's going to make us see things that we don't see about ourselves so that we can hear things that we can't hear. Okay, now, I am notorious. And we're talking about the third point here. Friendship helps us to believe the promises of God because we can hear them. Uh, I'm notorious for being on my phone, playing words with friends, or watching Netflix, or doing any... Any number of things, watching football on TV, and my wife will, will ask me something, and what I hear is, wah, 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 and I dismiss her, and I'm like, uh-huh, okay, yeah, okay, and then, um, yeah, this happened just recently, actually. Um, my, uh, my son had a dentist appointment, and um, I, I'd, I'd volunteered to take him to the dentist. And then I scheduled like nine one-on-ones that day uh, on campus and had to move around things. And actually, you got bumped that day. Um, you know, there's like, like, a, 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 like, I just totally didn't listen to what she said. I said, uh-huh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Because I wasn't listening. I could not hear the clear words that were coming out of her mouth. Okay? She was speaking very clearly and wonderfully, and I love her voice. But because I was too distracted with the game, or whatever I was doing, I totally ignored her, okay? And then it was a, it was a rude awakening when, you know, that Tuesday came around, I had to take my son to the dentist. I'd, even, I'd forgotten about it, okay? Because I didn't listen. Okay, so friends are going to help you listen and believe the promises of God, which are very important. Friends can help you realize the lies about yourself, but also the truths that you can't hear, okay? Because you close your eyes to them in unbelief. Like, my wife just tweeted at me today or yesterday, I believe it was. I love, we, now, that's how bad our marriage is. We're like, we're communicating via Twitter now. Okay, so we need, to, we need counseling for sure. Okay, but I brought home some Girl Scout cookies to her the other day. Well, I, it started out with a text. What kind of Girl Scout cookies do you like? And so I figured out what she liked, brought home the correct Girl Scout cookies to her, and she's like, that is love right there, getting the Girl Scout cookies that you love. Um, my, isn't that right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's tangible. That's, that's heroic love right there. Uh, getting your pregnant wife the Girl Scout cookies she needs um, because she's like eight months pregnant. Um, now, my son is obsessed with Legos right now. Knox, he's six years old. He loves Star Wars Legos. 
Well, he got Celebration Luke, which is a rare minifigure, okay? Celebration Luke from the end of Star Wars Episode Four on Christmas. He immediately loses the thing, okay? So I get on eBay, and I heroically go and find Celebration Luke and pay for him and replace Celebration Luke. Oh, like, oh, man, you know, Darth Vader must have been chasing around the house. Now he's back. Look what I found, okay? So he's back. Now he's already lost Celebration Luke again. But we found the original Celebration Luke. So he's going to be really confused when both of them show up. However, <laughs> like we're cloning Luke now? Okay, that's, that's, that's episode seven, which hasn't been made yet. Okay. Now, and J.J. And Abrams is working on it. So, so Luke is in process. But, but so, like, that's, her, that's her, I mean, I'm, I'm tooting my own horn here, but that's heroic, okay? Terrible for preachers to do that. Okay, um, it's going to Walgreens at 2 a.m. for your roommate because she's sick, okay? It's doing that because you've got to do it. There's no other way. It's taking them to the hospital. It's offering your car. It's offering your time. It's, you need three hours of study for chemistry, but you're only going to take two because so-and-so needs you for that hour. Okay, that's heroic love. That's rescuing love. That's the promises of God like it says in verse 9. Okay, um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we don't believe that. We don't believe Jesus is just going just gonna, to like, help us in that way. We've got to work it out. We feel like we've got to work it. We can't just have, I'm a sinner and I need your mercy, and God's going to make it all right through Jesus. We always put ourselves at the center of this story and feel like we've got to make atonement for our own sins. And so what a friend's going to do through their heroic effort, or they're going to help you to believe that it's the promises of God. It's that Jesus will make you well. Because we have an innate desire to be our own saviors, and the friends are going to help us to realize through their heroic efforts for you that Jesus can be for you. So what's an example of that? What's it look like? Well, just to use a silly example of Facebook, okay? Um, this, is, this is a very interesting point I think that this lady makes on Facebook. Okay, um, somebody from Carnegie Mellon, Maura Burke, says she used to run a longitudinal study of 1,200 Facebook users. Now, she's going to analyze how their interaction on Facebook interacts, their, interacts with their soul. What she says here is she's found that the effect of Facebook depends on what you bring to it. Okay, note that. If you use Facebook to communicate directly with, individ, with other individuals by using the like button, commenting on a friend's post, and so on, it can increase your social capital. Social capital. Personalized message, messages, or what Burt calls composed communication, are more satisfying than one-click communication, like the lazy click of a like. Is that true? You like it when people comment on your stuff on Facebook rather than just like it. Liking is just too easy, okay? So, so if someone's going to take the time, for instance, to say something like, your friend informs you in writing how charming her son looks with Harry Potter cake smeared all over her face, okay? Okay, that's one example. Or how interesting her sepia-toned photograph of that tree framed bit of skyline is and how cool it is that she's at whatever concert she happens to be at. If you're going to write that out, that's what we all want to hear, okay? We don't want like, okay? Even better than sending a private Facebook message is the semi-public conversation. 
where you're interacting on each other's walls, okay, or on Twitter, you're tweeting at each other, okay? It's kind of a back and forth in which you half ignore all the people around who may be listening in, but you're having this gleeful conversation because you're friends in front of the world, okay? That's what we're looking for. People whose friends write to them semi-publicly on Facebook experience decreases in loneliness, okay? That's a simple way of how, like, Facebook interaction is a testimony of our soul, on the other hand, non-personalized use of Facebook, scanning your friend's status updates, right, and updating the world on your own activities via your wall, or what Burke calls passive consumption in broadcasting, correlates to feelings of disconnectedness. If you, if you like, log into Facebook every hour and don't do anything on it, you're going to feel like crud, okay? Because, <laughs> like, you're not interacting. Interaction is what we're built for. And, and so that, that even with Facebook, we're going to see that, that that's how it works, okay? Uh, again, friendship, not trying to get kissed, but serving for the sake of the person, for the sake of the mission. When we experience that, we're going to start to be able to hear things in Scripture that are hard to hear, like that God rescues through Jesus, through a cross, that this bad sinner who sinned confesses his sins and Jesus forgives them. God gave his son for me so I could be called his friend. I'm an enemy transformed to a friend. I have to have people heroically show me they love me so I can really understand existentially in my heart and internalize that Jesus loves me. That's why I put on, the, on your handout this uh, passage of how Jesus does that for an adulterous woman. Okay. Early in the morning. Whoa. G- I'm going to read the, the John 8 passage. Early in the morning, he came to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes, the Pharisees, brought the woman who had been caught in adultery And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This this they uh, said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote his finger on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to him, to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. And from now on, sin no more. You see, Jesus is not for us sinning our brains out and going recklessly out there and sinning. But he's going to stand up for those he loves and show us rescue so that we can believe it. And he shows us, he demonstrates, like going against the mob, going against the public and saying, look, if you're without sin, you can condemn her. I need to be connected to something like that, okay? I'm, I don't know if you know this, but I'm terrified of heights. Terrified. It kills me. Some of you in RUF have seen me try to climb and do a zip line, a zip line on ropes courses. It's painful, okay? Like, like you watch me and I'm, do, I'm going like, I walk pretty fast normally, but I'm super slow motion when it comes to climbing something, okay? And I get to the top of this thing, and I'm just like, like holding on with, you know, white knuckles, and then eventually I get to the end of it, and I see Blake, Blake Butler, who is next to me, and I see others, like, lined up, and I'm like, okay, I've got some people with me, but what's really good is I'm connected to a person on the ground who will belay me down, okay, if I fall. I've got a connection to something bigger than myself, and that's going to cause me to jump, doesn't it? It, ca- it does. It causes you to jump out there. And I'm really impressed by y'all, okay? You guys, I love to know you. 
and I'd love to hear your stories, and I'd love to see you grow up. One of my first students in REF, I just saw this on Facebook today, and I have to, I have to talk about it. It's my last thing I want to talk about. Seth Paul, who, is, who was a freshman when I was a second-year campus minister, graduated. He just got married. I'm super proud of him. He became a police officer, right? And so in Clarksville, Tennessee, I was at Tennessee Martin, which is a school out in West Tennessee, uh, for five years. Seth shows up on the scene of a burning house, okay, smoke billowing out of this house. He had reason to believe there was somebody in the house. So he kicks down the door, goes inside, like, you know, kind of crawls down underneath the smoke, finds a woman on the ground, motionless, pulls her out of that thing, does CPR, saves the woman, rescues her, and Amanda Paul, his now wife, formerly Amer- I knew her as Amanda McCrary, she says, I'm so proud of my husband, he's a hero. Why? Because he ran in to a burning building to save a woman. And that's what John could not wait to share with his friends, that Jesus was your greater Seth Paul. Okay, I'm super proud of him. Jesus ran to a cross for you in the middle of the night when you're unconscious, on the floor, the house is in flames, it's all going down, you're dead. But you really need friends to understand that. You need friends to show you that. And you need, and you need that to understand how to be a friend. You need, the, you need the example of Christ, you need his work for you in order to do anything. You need the church, y'all. You need people connected to you. One final thing. Um, there's an old man and a, and a younger Christian. And now you guys, okay, y'all might be this younger Christian. Y'all might have said, well, you might have asked this question before. Do I actually need a church? Do I need to be per- participating in the church? Do I need friendship in the church? Can I just have my little friend group? Well, um, he asked if it was okay to just follow Christ on his own without the church, without being involved. The old man didn't say anything, but simply, as an old man can, can do, leans forward with his tongs. They're sitting around a fireplace. He takes a glowing red hot coal from the fireplace, sets it on the hearth. They sit in silence as the, as the coal went from bright orange to cool black. The young man had his answer, right? It's a great little story. Okay, the coal taken from the fire, from the connection, all the other coals, burns out. How are you going to burn out when you're disconnected from who you are as a sinner and when you're disconnected from who you are in God's love? If you lose either one of those things, you're dead. That's why friendship is a, it's a supernatural blessing from God. It teaches us those two fundamentals. Where I am as a sinner, I'm more corrupt than I ever could imagine apart from Christ in my sin, but that I'm also more loved than I could ever imagine. I, Jesus has rescued me in ways I cannot even imagine. Friendship, I need that to, to learn that. Let's pray. Our God, help us to believe these things, to uh, work.